ticking of an old clock. Gra- grandfather clock. Grandfather clock. <laughs> wow. The, the splattering of rain outside Will Perry's luxurious Manchester City Centre apartment. This is uh, episode 28 of the world-famous Whippets and Flat Caps as the rain comes down. Thunderous. Uh, John Wilkin. I'm sat here. Ominous. Ominous. It's an ominous sign. Ominous skies. I've lit some candles. Um, I've poured, decanted a, a bottle of 1985 Margot <laughs> into a, uh, well, a rather exceptional decanter. It's an uh, exceptional decanter. There are two empty glasses uh, on the table. Some might call this a, a date. I mean, it, look, it feels a lot like a date. Doesn't it? But it feels like I'm in a Lowry painting. <laughs> um, I've got one of those. We've told you that before. I've <laughs> seen it. Um, yeah. Someone had a go at me for having a Lowry painting, by the way. They why? They, they just thought it wasn't very... He said, oh, you're telling a, telling a rugby league audience you've got a Lowry painting. So I apologise to that, that one person for having a, a Lowry painting. Was that Mark Flanagan? No, it was. Was it somebody Mark else? Mark Flanagan. I he used to be on this podcast, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, we, we do miss him. And he's, uh, I think, was it three words per hour that he was, <laughs> he was operating at? He's, he's a big loss. He is. A big loss. He is. The cynical one-liners. Do you reckon he's... I mean, it's probably a good time to talk about him, isn't it, while yeah. he's not here. Do you reckon he has... Do you reckon he sort of plays up to the idiot abroad I think yeah very simple and cold one line responses Mark's essentially that's the void he's filled in this podcast Mm. Um, obviously he's got to be in his bonnet about you interrupting him um, do you think we interrupt him um, I think yeah we do yeah, yeah, we do, and that's yeah. just the order of things. I'd say <laughs> it's a natural order of things. How, uh, how autistic do you think Mark actually is? Uh, we're all on the scale, of aren't course. we? Because yeah, yeah, autism yeah. is not a black or white thing. You, no, no. You, everyone has it, but yeah. it's to which extent you've got it. And certainly, Mark's. Some of us can tuck it away and to keep it away in the closet. Yeah, well, I think that the majority of our personality isn't sort of real autistic, but yeah. I'd say Mark is getting towards that point where he's tipped over, where he is, you know, he's genuinely. Mm you know, got got a problem. He's it, One thing I've noticed about Mark is when he goes deep into his brain to think somewhere, he goes into his, his mind and he's thinking and being creative, mm. his top lip twitches <laughs> and his right eye twitches mm. very slightly. And he sort of starts looking uncomfortable, almost like, you know, when you see a baby um, pass feces into a nappy and you watch it happen. Yeah. That's very much like when Mark activates that you know, the left-hand side of his brain, the creative side of his mm. brain. He's not comfortable in there. Mm. He's a calculator, is Mark. Mm. He's, he's, is it something he can overcome? Or do you think, you know... I think... Did, you're, 30, saying you're saying it's got worse. At 30 years old, I think he's, this is Mark. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what we've all got to deal with. And, you know, we, we need to take time to think about the people who he interacts with a lot. And I think now's a good time to thank them all for yeah. what they've done. <laughs> and for, you know, how much they put up with him. So you think, we, you know, what you're saying is we need to be there for him. We are there for him. We're a support network. Yeah. I think without us, it'd, it'd be, um, is it falling down the film? Yes, yeah, great we're, film. We'd just be walking around Manchester <laughs> with a machine gun. But, it's, I mean, it's such irony, because he, he seems to think that I'm the one. That, I mean, I sort of just accept it just when he's here and he's, you know, mm. in our company, that, oh, yeah, I've got all the problems. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, now he's, I mean, he's not going to listen to this, is he? So he's not going to know that. I don't know. He probably will. <laughs> Do you think he, he probably, will? He will listen to this, listen yeah. To and, well, and I think we've all got our, our quirks. I'd mm. say if... My, I had a problem. It would be I'm too casual about things, unorganised, at Ooh. the worst, at best. Unorganised physically and in your head? Yeah, creatively. I, th- I think I'm more creative than I am uh, meticulous. I'm good at, 
I'm, I'm good at big detail and fine detail, mm. but as Paul Wellens, St. Helens coach, told me, it's the mm. bit in between I'm not great at. You know, there's middle details. Mm. So, for example, you know, I'll get home and cook my tea, uh, you know, prepare a meal, lovely meal, cook it all. Mm-hmm. I'll pack my training bag, but then I'll leave the house and I'll leave the oven on. You know what I'm saying? Mm. There's middle details, the in-between well, details. Fran, Cheska, your wife, has told me quite a few times that you've got no sort of, um, you know, awareness of your belongings. So your keys, your phone, you think, you know, they're just, they're not mm. important to you and you lose them on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, I think, it, yeah, I don't, I don't value possessions at all. Really? No, I really don't. But I think, yeah, and I don't, I don't see value in, in material items. Mm. I, I mean, I have things and I have things that I think are nice, but I, I don't get upset if things break or things go missing. Or really, I just I'm think, the opposite. Well, I think in a thousand years, well, none of it's going to be here anyway. True. You know, it's all going to have disintegrated into dust. True, true. So, so we could probably help each other, John, because my, as you can see from my flat here, mm. I don't like to call it flat, it's more an apartment. It is. But, um, you know, not a, not a speck of dust. Um, very very organised, isn't it? Very Everything's organized. at right angles. I do have OCD, so I have to hoover the rug with, um, so the, you can see the shaggy rug where your feet yeah. are on. So, the shag pile So, so the shag is erect. Yes. You know, as soon as they go down, that's, uh, I've got a problem is with the that. the shag erect? It's very erect. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe I just need to work on, you know, what's inside a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, I mean, that, the, on the surface of things, Will, you look like a very well-kept, mm. things look very But in, inside it's a disaster. Inside it's turmoil. But then, that's again we started this talking about Mark and I think we shouldn't get too far away from that Mark <laughs> is striving for control mm. in a world full of chaotic things oh. so he feels like he is trying to establish order and he's always uh, creating but, order so he is a control freak yeah that's yeah. what you're saying I yeah. mean that's that's a good way to describe him isn't he yeah, I think a, a bully at times but with his um, controlling controlling nature uh, yeah, I think all control freaks inevitably lean towards the more he's, he's certainly not Genghis Khan or mm. that far but he's he's getting up there Chairman Mao Chairman Mao yeah well on, on staying on Mark but a different subject about Mark um, you know we, all, we often talk about it with him don't we we joke about his hair and like oh because you know he's a great he's a great looking guy he is a great, great looking, looking guy very good looking I mean man. on his day for example his wedding day he was he was a nine plus mm. Mm. he was a nine point something yeah and I'm not afraid to admit that um, however, he went through a bit of a, uh, let's say, a sticky patch. A transition. A transition. Yeah. And he, he shaved his head. And mm. I know we, we talk a lot about Mark's hair. Was it, that his Britney Spears moment? That, I think it was. Do you think that was Mark's Britney Spears <laughs> I moment? I think it was. I think it uh, was. Yeah. And, 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 and to me, he's not quite been the same. In fact, in fact <laughs> I, I, I preferred him when he was born. <laughs> Do you know why? Because he, he, he had a, there was a weakness there. There was a vulnerability to it. There was a vulnerability. <laughs> he felt that he wasn't. You know, he couldn't be a control freak anymore. Yeah. And he and he became a nicer person when he was bald. He relaxed. Now his hair's come back. He's a twat. So so, so there's a lot of things to talk about there. A lot of things to analyse yeah. there. Firstly, the obvious one. I mean, how John Wilkin has his hair come back? Because mm. he he what he's claiming is uh, you know oh I put a couple of couple of drops in and mm. you know just things that you can buy in boots. Like I'm not having that because he he now has Stephen Gerrard's hair. Yeah. Well, there's one thing is there's there's lots of Ways of follicular intervention. Yeah. (laughs) Is what I'm trying to say. There's lots of ways of doing it. Luke Gale's done one way where you you shave it back and get the implants. 
things put in. Yeah, Luke listens uh, to the podcast. I've told him many times. It looks like he's he's had his pubes taken from uh, in his side his jeans and Pritt sticked onto his head. Yeah, imagine that. Almost like Team America, the beard <laughs> that they stick on the guy is yeah. as a disguise. Yeah, um, and Mark's gone for uh, other treatments, but he says it's thickening shampoo and a few other things, but. Mm. I think the shave down was to have a treatment. I don't think he'll ever admit to us what the treatment really? was. Although um, a friend of mine, Adam Crofts, who also struggled hair-wise, yeah. um, I said to him, who did you tell Mark? How, how did you get Mark onto the treatment? Joking, just trying yeah. to coax some information. He said, oh, no, I just passed him on to the guy I used. So, so Adam Crofts has had a treatment as well? He's had some treatment, yeah. So. As in, where they inject things into your head? I don't know. I don't know the detail of it. I'll I mean, find out. I mean, the, the bottom line is, Mark, he looks great again. He does, doesn't yeah. he? I mean, the personality has come back before yeah. the one before yeah, yeah. pre sort of wedding and mm -hmm. time. But um, I, I'm I am obsessed with it. Obs obsessed. Yeah, I know. With, we all with, are with how it looks, and um, it's, it's mysterious. Yeah, and, and and it's you know now he's not here is a good time to reflect on it. It because, is because you know he gets a bit twitchy about us talking about yeah. it, but you know, well look. We get to a point in life where you don't look your best. I'm, I'm more than comfortable yeah. being in that, that zone. You know, I'm, I'm happy. Do you I've think got crow's, crow's feet. Yeah, you know, when you wake up in the morning, yeah. you look at yourself in the mirror just in your underpants and you think, this mm. is not the best. <laughs> it's not the best day, nor is this the best I've looked. But then you've just got to make peace with it. I on, think I'm, on the subject of underpants, I've actually got, um, believe it or not, a pair of your underpants here. How did you, why? <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are some polo Ralph Lauren ones you're missing, red ones. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why they're here? I think, I think in New York they might have snuck <laughs> into my bag. <laughs> I don't think I wore pants but, in New York. <laughs> no, you didn't. But I've, I've, I've been wearing them since. But yeah, so go back to that. You you do that, do you? You wake up and look at yourself in the mirror. In no, I think everyone does. Like, and I, how and long I, for? Um, well, it's inevitable. We you know when you brush your teeth. Yeah, yeah. So you do the usual thing, don't you? you? Get up, you go to the toilet, you 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 sort of have a wee, you're sort of half awake, you turn around, look in the mirror, start brushing your teeth, mm. and then you start thinking about where things maybe went wrong. <laughs> uh, that's what I do anyway, and think, well, what could have been on a it, daily basis? What could, what could have been? <laughs> this is the best. You know, there's something we need to explore. I know, but if yeah, it, what do you I mean? What could have been? been? It could have been so much better to look at. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean sort of like you know why why did I not take up that modelling career or something? No, or why, no, no, I'm joking. I, I, well, you're, you're semi joking. Yeah, semi. I, yeah, so, semi. <laughs> semi. Semi. So, so you you do you know you do sort of have a good look. It's quite yeah. hard, isn't it? When well, you look, I, when I you... just think everyone does that. Is that not life? Like, I think everybody is critical of their own shape and size, mm. and we all criticise each other for how we look. Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, that's just life, isn't it? So, so you're not going to get old gracefully, you think? Or? I don't know. I, I I'm quite obsessed with Andy Goode. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, when you look at him and I think, mm. psychologically, you know, a guy playing rugby when he was playing rugby at the back end of his career, looking like he did, mm. um, must have been quite intimidating for the opposition. The Archbishop think, of Canterbury. Yeah. This, this literally... <laughs> He's a fantastic this, guy, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And this guy running around, for those of you who obviously don't know Andy Goode, is a fly half, very mm. silky sort of flamboyant fly half, yeah. cycling shorts, fingerless gloves, <laughs> slick back hair, but balding. And obviously his idea of a post-training meal would be cheese and wine. Mm. You know, he would be popping open a 1985 mm -hmm. Chateau Margot. Yeah. Does, does, a, does a podcast now these days, doesn't he? He does. But yeah. anyway, he's, I look at him and I think he doesn't care. Mm. You know, he doesn't care. But I think he does care now, doesn't he? Because he's had a hair transplant. 
Has he? Yeah. Oh, he's so I worked with Andy Good at uh, the World Cup at Twickenham. Yeah. We did all the games on a stage where a lot of the people would just come down and try and throw things at Andy Good. Some people, some of them hit them, some of them didn't. Good. You know? So I think a few Welsh people got him with a full pint of Guinness and a and a hot dog. Um, <laughs> but but he just had the uh, the old hair transplant put in then, and now he has got the, the hairline of a sixteen-year-old boy. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. You see, I wasn't expecting that because now my example of him falls down because mm. I thought he was one of those guys who'd just gone, you know what, this is what it is. Yeah. I'm going to work with it. I'm going to do what I can, but I'm not going to take this too seriously. <laughs> and and I think that's what I aspire to. I think I, I think I want to... I think you can take yourself too seriously on yeah. how you look. We put so much pressure on everybody now, how you look. And again, I'm not going to bang on about social media, but it just puts pressure on everybody to look a certain way and be a certain yeah. way. If you're healthy and you enjoy life, just live it. Just do your own thing. Yeah. And when I am stood in my sort of tanga briefs in the morning, looking yeah. at essentially my dad's physique from maybe 20, 30 years previously, <laughs> I, you know, I embrace it. Yeah. I'm not sure Fran does. No. Um, she probably follows me into the toilet well, and just and curses all of her missed opportunities. Yeah. You know, it really... You know, ripped tall Olympians. Who she could be. She could be life. going to town on a you know nineteen year old current Olympian. She, every day, she could she? be. You know, I'm not suggesting she is. I'm saying that no, could she be could her be. option. <laughs> <laughs> her options were open, but maybe she just wanted. Well, it. on that subject, I mean, how how did that feel last week with um, Mrs. Holsall Wilkin? A bit weird. A bit weird. Was it? And, yeah. Did you, you feel uncomfortable? No. Nah, yeah. Well, I just thought it was an opportunity for people to roast me. And to be fair to Fran, she she pretty much kept. No, she didn't actually. She just ripped in, didn't she? And yeah, she's got her own personality and, and her own opinions. And, you know, I've long since stopped trying to influence how she behaves. I love it. I love Fran. I love Fran. The fact that she's willing to come on and say, rugby league is not a sport, it's a game. And stand, yeah. and stand up her argument. Yeah. Fair play to her. Yeah, she's opinionated. And she's a gobshite as well. Do you know what she's I mean? She's a that's great a bad, gobshite. Yeah, it's a bad combination sometimes. Mm. But yeah, she's... Uh, I love her to bits anyway. She's good. You've been away this last week. Yeah, so obviously too. this would have been a really intense week for you, wouldn't it? Yeah. Had you, had you been at Wembley? Mate, and it's a weird feeling that because when you're a sportsman and, and the, the season builds up to two natural peaks, doesn't it? You've got the Challenge Cup final and the playoffs into the grand final. And at those two peaks, maybe everything that you've been doing for months leading up to that is physic, you know, physiologically, mentally emotionally everything is building up to this crescendo which is the challenge cup final mm. and to get a game away from it and do all of that prep to you know realistically in our schedule now this week was a final mm. so all of our training everything's been building up to this and then to not have that intensity you feel cheated because you've been building up to it and you know catalan and warrington are the only two sides that deserve to feel how they feel right now you know mm. they'll be in london in a hotel and just getting ready to play in a big game. And you couldn't be more jealous. And I try and think of an example, you know, for, for, for someone like yourself, Will, is it's like, I'd imagine doing all of the rounds of maybe like the, the Premier League, mm. commentating, and then on the final day of the season, not being able to do it and watching someone else do it. Mm. And I think it's kind of how I feel. Uh, no, that happens on a weekly basis to me sorry yeah, I was going to say every week every single week <laughs> that's not an annual it doesn't thing. work if it's every week every week emotionally let down but then so alright transferring it to your side of it how do you then I mean we've done it we've done an episode haven't we with, with how you felt after that but that hurt 
is surely something that you need to bottle, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I don't know, there's... The, yeah, I, I did a bit of reading about fear, like fear in sport and like what it means and, mm. and how fear is a part of sport. And um, it will either, it either it's either a headwind or a tailwind for you, isn't it? Mm. And I've always found in your career, you've got to f utilize fear to push you forward and not hold you back. And when you get beat in such a way as we did in the semi-final and Catalan played exceptionally well and deserved their place at Wembley, when you get beat like that for St. Helens, you've got to then understand how that's affected you and use that fear to motivate you and push you forward. Um, and I think the week after the final, uh, the semi-final, we played a game, it was poor, we lost again. And it was probably a residual effect of that fear that, that, that left marks on us that, that, that semi-final defeat. Um, but thankfully, we've got back back into winning ways and beat, beat Wakefield last week, so... I think fear, people don't talk about fear in sport, but when you walk onto a sports field and you're, you're in team, a team sport, it is fear that is the common denominator between everyone. And I'm not talking about being scared and running away, but there's a feeling of anxiety and fear amongst every person on a field, especially a gladiatorial sport like rugby league. It's mm. fueled by fear. So when you kick the ball off and everyone's sprinting down to t tackle somebody who's running back at you, the guy carrying the ball has got an element of fear inside him. You, the people who are running down to tackle him is an element of fear. And I, I honestly believe in rugby, if you can harness that fear and turn it into aggression and physicality and all of those things, you usually do quite well. And as a team, when you get beaten, you've got to then use that fear of failure to drive you forward rather than hold you back. And, you know, I think that... that a prime example would be, say, Leeds Rhinos, who two years ago were in the mm. bottom group again, you know, looking like they could get relegated. The following year, go on and, and maybe use the fear of that experience to push them on to win the grand final. Mm. Like a miraculous story, but that's an, an example of how how to utilise fear. And, and it's topical with a Challenge Cup final because whoever understands the fear and the intimidation of a big game and uses it to their advantage, will win that game. Mm. So, but well, then I guess the skill is being able to have that turnaround really quickly because you, you said Leeds there, well, that happened over the period of the next season, then they were successful again. But to be able to turn it round like you guys have looked like you've done and, and to turn it around in time to go and win the grand final is something else, isn't it, in the same season? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It, it, and everyone's different, aren't they? I think people deal with loss differently and, and you grieve loss differently I think sport is about your victories and your losses isn't it really essentially and, and, and I think how you deal with both of those will dictate how successful you are long term mm. um, and I don't necessarily think you need to deal with it quickly sometimes people wear those like scars from big losses as you know they wear them as like badges of honour and it, it helps them you know and and not everybody gets over it and just moves on. But ultimately, I think, you know, the speed at which you can get over a loss like that comes down to the players and how many experienced players you've got who've experienced situations like that before and have turned it around. And and at Saints, we've got some guys who've experienced it and hopefully that'll help us help us do it. But um, big losses in, in a season can can massively and in any sport and in any walk of life can change things yeah can change things and I think the th 
the thing that pissed me off after we lost that semi-final is, you know what happens in sport and in journalism is everyone's eyes turned on us because there's a story there now. Mm. The story has been all year, St. Helens are doing well. Now, in my mind, like lazy sort of journalism would be, well, and actually it's like a British mentality, Will, is we would be more interested in St. Helens, with the wheels falling off and everything going wrong. Yeah, yeah than us carrying on and doing well at the end of the year. Absolutely. It's way more interesting for the British people. We're like sick, we're sadists. Like we've get this little endorphin rush from the weather being shit. Ding, the weather's shit. Mm. Boom. You know, the traffic's terrible. Ding. Like we get this like endorphin rush from talking about shit stuff. Yeah. And a big part of that is we enjoy shit. So when things are bad, we enjoy it. I think British people, I don't think there's another society in the world and especially Northern English people, we like crap. Mm. You know, we're talking about the rain. It's pissing down here in Manchester now. People will be out there excited about it. <laughs> Walking around, being grumpy, speaking to people in short sort of terms and being happy yeah. about it. And I think from the outside looking in, more people were happy that there might be a problem at St. Helens than there would be hopeful that they'll turn it around. But you must be able to understand that just from a point of view of like, you could you could look at other countries as well. Everyone enjoys it when Barcelona get beat, don't they? Because it's a story. Everyone enjoys it when you know, Real Madrid lose at home or something like that or transferable to, you know, even rugby union. Say a, a team a team like Saracens goes out of the cup. Um, yeah, but we, we enjoy in this country that failure to be happening within yeah. You know, I don't think we necessarily look outwards and go, we hope other people fail. We actually quite enjoy failure as a country, I think. We, we we are comfortable failing. But is that not a lot down to because they because people want to see oh how do they react? Or they've they've lost. Like look at look at Manchester United for example. That's yeah. a prime example, isn't it? And quite transferable to to St Helens, a team that has just is just used to winning, is used mm. to winning things, has been through a period where no one's really questioned their yeah, their skills as a as a winning as a winning team, and and now they've got this situation with Jose Mourinho, and and then the fans start to go. Obviously, yours hasn't got anywhere near that, but you can understand why yeah. why big teams failing is interesting, not just for the media. No, I think it is interesting, but it just surprised me how quick the crosshairs turned on us, mm. and that people were like looking out for us to fail. They wanted it to continue. They really. want it to continue because yeah. it's a story. Yeah. So, like, so how much of that was down to Justin then? And was that, was that essentially the first time that he's really earned his money? Because that, that must have been crucial from a sort of coaching unit to make sure that it wasn't contagious and didn't continue into the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting thing about sport. And how, so for example, things are going great and this is not just sport, it's life. And it, things are going really well. Everything's rosy something big happens in your life or in sport mm. that's negative, really negative. Like the reaction to that is crucial. Now, if the next thing that happens in your life is also not great or in sport is not great, then things can escalate really quickly. So I think you've got to intercept that sort of negative cycle. I think there's an unfortunate thing about the human condition is that we actually, again, not just Northern English people and not just British people, we don't, just enjoy negativity. Actually, the human mind dwells on a negative more so than a positive. So although we've been playing well all year and everything's been going great, you have a negative sensation after losing the Challenge Cup semi-final. And then that can flick you into a sort of a negative cycle of negative thinking, of of overanalyzing things, of scrutinizing things too much and of, of you know, essentially dividing things that were quite seamless and quite... Uh, you know, symbiotic in some ways. And the way we've been playing was, was, was that way. And I think 
really quickly getting back to feeling like that and being positive was was crucial but you also need to address stuff so like in your life if something goes really badly wrong you can't just like walk out your front door the next day and go ha, you know that yeah. didn't happen you know my hair didn't fall out maybe mark did that walked out his flat in his beautiful flat in manchester and went looked in the Before mirror he booked went, an uber yeah to michael vaughan's hair transformation unit <laughs> he didn't go in out, didn't walk out and go oh, i'm not bald no you've mm. got to acknowledge what's happened yeah you've gone bald you're bald mate you've gone bald yeah so now You've got to deal with it and move on. Yeah, but he's basically now won the grand no, final. No, he's got his hair his back. Hair's won the grand In fact, final. Mark is St. Helens Rugby League Club. <laughs> his life is And the transition was so quick, wasn't it? No, but our season. So this is the similarity between Mark Flanagan yeah. and St. Helens this season. Yeah. Mark, between the ages of 12 to, to 27, 28, everything yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's all going well. Danny's number one. Yeah, big, big occasion. Big thing happened. He went bald. Mm. That's us against Catalan. We lost. Yeah. Everyone turns in, starts looking at Mark's hair, scrutinising it more, criticising yeah. it. It didn't go well for him a few weeks there, did it? He no. got a lot of criticism. People were not happy with how he looked anymore. Yeah. And he questioned himself. He did. But what did he do? He turned it around. He resurrected And himself. now he's got hair again. Yeah. So St. Helens this season have got the hair back. Yeah. Is he going to go bald again? Let, if we're t- you're still talking about St. Helens, let's hope not. Let's hope not. I'm actually just talking about Mark's hair. <laughs> I don't know. If what you went bald twice, you just have to give up. <laughs> twice? Can you go bald twice? Well, that's a great question, isn't it? That's probably an award winning question. Can, yeah. you, can you go bald twice? Can you twice? go bald twice? Can St. Helens <laughs> have another slump in the season, or is that it done? So, so what were those moments then where I know you, ca- you can't essentially give too much away? What go- in terms of behind the scenes, by the way, I've started yeah. watching the Manchester City documentary. I've heard amazing oh. things. We, I think, we the podcast has got obsessed by Guardiola, haven't we? We have quite and, rightly. And yeah. Damien Hughes has just brought a book out, hasn't he? In the yeah, last the couple Barcelona of weeks, the Barcelona away. away ordered it on Amazon Prime. Very good. Which is also where I saw that you can watch the city. So all of our guys have been talking about it um, and watched it. And mm. I think off the back of the Juventus documentary, is anybody mm. if anybody's seen I'm that seen on it. Netflix? That's incredible. And and I think when you watch that, you realise that sports clubs can seem quite aloof quite distant and mm. especially football clubs I think there's a big disconnect between the everyday man massively and, and football clubs yeah. and we were chatting at training the other day why would Man City do this they've got more to lose than they have to gain yeah. they're going to piss people off and why would they, they don't need to do it so why would they do it and it's to re-establish that connection between the everyday man Yeah. and you see the passion of Guardiola and how he operates how demanding he is and also then the light-hearted and humble nature of some of the players, which you don't get to see, do you? No, no, exactly. exactly. And, 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 I, and I think in particular, in particular with the Premier League clubs, yeah. that it is just, because it's such, it's such a product, it's such a global enterprise now that everyone's so cautious, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that. I, you know, I know the guy that, that actually edited that together and, mm. and uh, there were still bits that obviously City wanted to take out, oh, you can't have that in there, this is too controversial. But this, when I watched the, I've only watched two episodes, and, and exactly what you, that, that intimacy to actually mm. let someone inside your dressing room because that was the, the whole big thing in the, certainly in the 90s with Sir Alex Ferguson that your dressing room was your dressing room and yeah. no one else went in there yeah. apart from you and the players the but football uh, rugby league is kind of the opposite isn't it and with the dressing room can, approaching, and yeah. approachability we access all areas mm-hmm. you know we, we interview players at half time yeah. we wear player mic it's, it's, we are completely the other way the players are absolutely, and the fans are, are, are you know, there's no distance between no. them. Um, football's the opposite. And and actually, 
when you think about it, that's not always a bad thing because it makes it aspirational. The fact that the players are, there's a bit of distance there, can sometimes make it aspirational. But these documentaries, Juventus and Man City, have really drawn those clubs back to the everyday man. Mm. And I think Man City, it's a genius move by them as a brand to do it. They didn't need to do it, but they've done it. And we know what they've done. They've exposed themselves. Yeah. Not like that. But exposed themselves. Yeah, and they would have, but they would have thought long and hard about, like, you know, you said yeah. the guys in the dressing room at Saints were saying, oh, why have they done it? But they would, that wouldn't have been, like, oh, yeah, we'll do it, how much? Because, you know, they don't need the money. They don't need, no. the, they don't need the exposure. No. But like you say, I think a lot of it is about that connection. They've got ev- That club has got everything else now. They've got the players. They've got the stadium. They've got the training ground. They've mm. got the money. What they don't have is is that connection with mm. not just their own fans, but that that documentary is all or nothing. It's an all or nothing series, isn't it? It's an American series. Mm. They do it with, with American football teams as well. Um, so for that to be a kind of, because the narrator is, you can see that it's sometimes patronising maybe to a Premier League audience. So oh, I know that, mm. I know this, I know that. But that is that is going worldwide. Yeah. So that is going to make a huge connection with people in China, people, in, people watching on that in subtitles, seeing Guardiola's dressing room, talks there's one bit where someone put um <laughs> the first episode <laughs> when he's dancing around in the dressing room <laughs> over the top of it and you can see aguero looking at him going like really what's this guy yeah. doing you know but i, I just found it yeah well, obviously as a well, city fan it's interesting but it's, it's quite intrusive yeah for people from the outside so let's go back to the moments after we got beat by catalan and we're saying about what that does to a team's confidence and how it affects the dressing room i think there'd be nothing more interesting from an outsider looking in to view those moments after, mm. to be in the dressing room after a semi-final like Catalan and listen to Justin and how he speaks and how he how he managed in a few weeks to change this sort of potentially negative cycle back into a positive. Yeah. That's the skill of watching a coach in action. And I think Guardiola, you know, throughout this documentary, I've not watched it all, it certainly shows his skill at motivating players and his skill at, at, you know, dealing with confidence and inspiring confidence and an inspiring sort of a winning mindset. And I think as a two outsiders, rugby league, we are really connected with the fans. Uh, but those moments after a loss, the weeks after a loss, the weeks after a win, those are really quite precious moments. And I think, you know, learning from these documentaries, can sport do more to bring fans into those moments? Yeah. Because for me... When you don't know, like if I was an outsider now, where would I want to be? Well, if we follow the mentality that British people, Northern English people like bad news, would you rather be in Catalan's dressing room or would you rather hear what Justin was saying in St. Helens' dressing room after the semi-final? Exactly, you'd rather there'd be, hear the There'd be two one, and a half million people tuning into yeah, the, yeah. The, our, our dressing room. What, what I found fascinating from that, the City one as well, and I, I want to sort of compare it to Justin, is Guardiola, um, it was, it, you kind of question, why, why did he say that? Um, they could have edited this bit out if they didn't want it in there he said I'm going to let you into a secret I don't know if you saw this it was in the, f- the first episode yep. I'm going to let you into a secret I don't know everything and when I don't know uh, something I just pretend I do and so obviously his players are going to watch that and obviously yeah. that's maybe something he already tells his players yeah, yeah. but um, compare that to Justin then in terms of what we've seen from City's dressing room and how quiet it is when, when they're listening to him talk you know he, Guardiola was saying before a game I don't want a quiet dressing room because he says that a animated an animated dressing room gives a better performance before a game. Yeah. Obviously, you want you did like an animated one afterwards because that means he won the game. But what was that like then? That from that dressing room moment at the Reebok at the Macron, whatever it's called, it's actually called the University of Bolton, Bolton Stadium. Bolton Stadium, yeah. Um, from that moment to now being back on track, how he has dealt with things. Yeah. So that that 
that moment after the final, after the semi-final, um, you know, Justin's comments and it's quite dark, the feeling in there. For anybody who's played sport and you, when you lose a big game, you know, that, that energy and intensity from pre-match is gone. It's like that's been sucked out of a dressing room. And there's almost like a lack of feeling in a dressing room that's when you've lost something big. It's like emotion has been sucked out of the room and it's gone. And you've got to get, at that point, I thought everyone was frustrated at St. Helens, players, coaches, everything. And I always speak about Justin when he first came to the club and I thought he said some of the smartest things I've heard, but really simple things. He talked about how we defended and how we attacked. But he also, this isn't giving too much away, I think he... He drew a circle of frustration and then one of excited and an overlap. And he said, look, who's where and where are we all on this sort of, where do you sit? And I think pretty much everyone was frustrated. And he was like, right, well, this is simple. We need to get everyone back to excited and over to the excited side. And it's really simple after a game like that because everyone goes into the frustrated category. And in, again, in life, like in sport, when people are frustrated, it, divide, it divides things, the divisions appear, people are, you know, you'll point the finger, it's more accusational how people behave, you'll inevitably becomes a destructive environment for me. Mm. But when people are excited, it's the flip reverse, it can be positive, you're encouraging and things can grow and blossom. And I think what Justin really, and the other coaches, Paul Wellens, Sean Long and so Jamal. So this, this circle was, was right after the game? No, no, but this, the, this is what I'm saying. This is when Justin first came when in. When he first that, came, that's yeah, it. Yeah. But it was a very similar process yeah. immediately following the semi-final. It was like, right, boys, everyone's frustrated. We are devastated, but we've got to get back to excited again. And it took us a week to do it, or two weeks. Mm. But Wakefield, we were excited again. And there's that feeling of excitement and... Like, let's go out and do us and set our standards and drive our standards and the cohesion to it all again. And that's, that's for me, what's really interesting about coaching. And when we go back to the documentary, it's interesting that Guardiola's talking about what he says and he thinks about what he says, doesn't he? Mm. And I think all of the great coaches that I've had give real careful thought to the words and what they mean. Yeah. And how you say something and the way you say it can mean different things to different people. Mm. And Justin's really conscious about what he says and how he says it. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned and learned very recently is how you deliver a message and who you're delivering it to can completely affect how it's understood. And and that's what I think great coaches understand is mm. how to deliver a message to have the maximum impact in the right areas. And turning round a, a semi-final defeat to get your season back on track it's just like dealing with any adversity or challenge in your life. You've just got to acknowledge it, analyse it, but then quickly get out of that negative cycle back into excited. And that's essentially what we've tried to do. So in that analytical bit, do you, because you, they say you win as a team, you lose as a team. But when you've lost a big game like that, and it was a statement in terms of where your season was at at that stage, do do you look at other people and, and question other people in the dressing room? Well, like if you're being brutally honest throughout your career, I think when things in a team environment go wrong and they go wrong for an extended period of time, there's inevitably divisions. As in, there's inevitably times at which you point the finger gets pointed, and from my experience, when that starts to happen, that can be the single most destructive thing to a club. And you know, I've got one of these. 
bugs that really don't like about sport and it's when people say someone's lost the dressing room or you know they've lost the dressing room and I, I, it doesn't matter because I think what does that mean what does it mean and it means that people have started to formulate their own opinions about what is happening rather than buying into something mm. collectively and when you get individual little groups and pockets and cliques within a team and they're have different opinions about how things should be done and you don't sort of sit down and cohesively sort of get a plan together that can really start to be a rotten sort of scenario and I think all good coaches recognise that and want to stay away from that so when you say they've lost the dressing room I think it means that negative cycle hasn't been interrupted hasn't been stopped mm. well that's, that's become the majority yeah the and poisonous then, nature of the yeah, dressing room and how do you change that yeah. Like, how do you change that? When things have gone to that that bad that the players are all blaming each other and pointing the finger at well, the Well, that coach. is losing the dressing, isn't it? That, yeah, that but point. it is, but it's that's, it doesn't do it justice, what mm. I'm saying is. Yeah, in yeah. sport, we sim you know, he's lost the dressing room, yeah. which... That's a big process, isn't it, to yeah, lose but the dressing exactly, room? exactly, and it's a million things. It could be a million things. Mm. And it's a football-ism. You know, we say it in football, it very rarely gets said in rugby league. Um, but in football, he says he's lost the dressing room, and it doesn't matter when they say it because it can mean a million things. But that's where senior players come into their own, isn't it? Because you may get some youngsters who, who, who may, and may not know what it's like to be in a successful dressing room when things are going wrong, and you know, talk is cheap, isn't it? They can go away and think, and, and they can they can influence each other. So they yeah. need senior players yeah, to go, guys. To what influence. are you talking about? Yeah, let's get this back on track. Yeah, yeah, and and ultimately that positive, I'd say positive reinforcement about what you do and how you do it and what is your th standards and how you operate and like if if the world was perfect you'd always perform at your best but the reality is in life and in rugby that those things don't happen but you have to be able to overcome those ups and downs quickly and for younger players I think they're less equipped to deal with it but they take confidence from seeing people overcome negativity and criticism so in those situations when we lost that semi-final you know we, the the older guys the senior players need to quickly reset get back to being excited get out of the frustrated column don't blame acknowledge what went wrong don't blame move on and focus on actions and positive actions that will get you out of it mm. and I think if you, you listen to, to Guardiola or to Justin or to good coaches around the world I think that how to get over negativity is just a crucial part of sport and on the flip side to that dealing with ongoing periods of positivity and how you stop complacency setting in and all of those things it makes coaching for me such a fascinating yeah. thing because you're bringing together egos in a, in, a, in a rugby team there's 25 30 egos and you've got to get them all thinking and feeling the same thing and that's difficult, you know. And that, keep that consistent. Yeah, well, yeah. And I think, would that not have been a probably the main time, apart from coming in after Kieran Cunningham, the, the main time in his career as Saints coach that he's really learned something about his players that week? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it, like, I think you're always learning, and coaches are always learning. I think Justin would have learned a lot about his team um, and himself. But when he sees his players shocked, how, the, how they react from that would have been a huge experiment for him. Yeah, I think so. And like I said, that's just a learning process and you have to. And on the flip side to Justin and Saints and how we did, you've got Steve McNamara at Catalan and Steve Price at Warrington, yeah. who this week are, are, have absolutely every single player in their squad in the excited column because they get to go to Wembley and play in a Challenge Cup final. And just going back to that time off, you know, I had time off, went to Sicily for a few days 
and it felt wrong because the Challenge Cup finals this week mm. and it doesn't sit right that we've built up to it and Catalan and Warrington are going to the Challenge Cup final and that is just a, it's a rank feeling. Mm. So you, you got a holiday because you deserved it because you guys are back on track. Mark got a holiday as well, mm. didn't he? He went, yeah. he went to, to, well, see where he went exactly, Marbella. Um, <laughs> but to, Marbella. <laughs> he, is. Marbella. he is. Uh, and um, he scored a try and, set, and Salford won. Yeah. And, and he did the Deli Alley celebration. Yeah, no, I've, never, I've never had my testicles <laughs> retracted so much. I actually think, you know, when your testicles fall out as a, a sort of a juvenile male, I think that mine retreated even further up into my stomach than they'd been before yeah. when I got showed that video. So, so he thinks it's a sort of a sarcastic take on the Deli Alley celebration because he had to put the ball down and do it with two hands. Everyone knows it's with, with one hand. You know, we can all do it now. Mm. But might have to, have to watch a video to learn how to do it. Mm. But we, we all know how to do it. Mm. But I guess to a lot of people, they would have thought like, oh my God, what a wanker. He's doing the Deli Alley celebration. Yeah. yeah, I think that's exactly. That's what just it up. I think you've that's summed what, it up exactly. Not, what most people not, thought. Not, not many people think it. Oh, the irony! He's having he's having a joke <laughs> yeah, at the Deli Alley celebration. Yeah, <laughs> no. I think it, do you know what that's a, that is um, leftovers from the conversation Mark had with Chris Eubank when Chris yes. Eubank came into the shop and yeah. told Mark he said, "When yes. you score a try, Mark, make a splash." You know, make a big deal. Yeah, it's only every run three over, years, but make run over splash. to the corner flag or nearest camera, yeah. stare down it for thirty seconds without moving, and then put your hands on your hips and just nod your head into the camera. Yeah, the few problems I've got with that, especially if Chris Eubank is listening to this, mm. I doubt he is. In his HGV, he's probably still driving a HGV yeah, truck. Yeah. Chris is on the M M twenty five, stuck in traffic. Um, Problems with that is I, I don't think the broadcasters would commit to 30 seconds of Mark Flanagan's face just staring down the camera. I think, think he's gone mad. I think he, he's, had, he's had to wait to do that. So he's probably, you know, probably why he didn't score any tries while he was bald. Because, you know, that, now at least that's there. That's on, that that Ali celebration is there in the flesh for everyone to see. Yeah. He looks great. I just think unless, unless you're a certain type of player who, I'm going to put this out there, unless you're perceived to be cool by the fans then I wouldn't do it. No, and and I, not, I would it? encourage Mark not to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> are you perceived to be cool by the fans? No, not at all. No, Who's cool at St. Helens? Uh, Regan Grace. The cool people are the, when they, they walk out the stadium and everyone's got the names on the shirts. Regan Grace at our place. Okay. Uh, ben Barber. Yeah. Tommy Makinson. Do you not see many Wilkins shirts knocking about? Um, you used to, didn't you? Maybe a few years yeah, ago? Yeah, women aged 45 to 70. <laughs> Is that who you go down with? Oh, yeah. That's who I go down <laughs> with. But do, do you think, you know, because you did go through a bit of a stage where you were, you were unpopular. Yeah. You? I but think I've always do been... You th th do you think you've gone full circle here towards your sort of end <laughs> of your St. Helens career? You're actually more popular than you were a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm equal measure popular and unpopular. Is that because I'm thinking, thank fuck, he's leaving? <laughs> I think probably <laughs> it's relief. Everyone's like, thank God, he's gone. The turd that won't flush has now been flushed. <laughs> it's that feeling, isn't it, when you look back and it's still there, and it's, but now it's gone. It's on the way down. Be a lot of letters to get on the back of the shirt, that, wouldn't it? The turd that won't flush. I might 12. do that. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, it's quite weird at training. Mark Percival brought me uh, a card that was said, thanks, John, on it. Mm. And then on the front of it was a picture from every year at Saints that I'd played. And he said, thanks, John. And I was like, oh, mate, who made that? That's insane. He said, oh, my dad's mate. <laughs> so his dad's mate had made some sort of card and it said, thanks, John. And I had to sign it saying, oh. I was like, this is 
quite bizarre. A oh, man, he wanted you to sign it, so he go, so it goes back to him and he keeps yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> right. I've got lots of questions. I'm sure this guy's on registers all over the place. Gotcha. So, so has that been a thing then? Has it kind of people? Obviously, it's still an important part of the season. But has that been no. a thing where people have been like, oh, he's actually he's no. registering with them. He's leaving. He's not going to be here. No, I don't think anybody must have bothered. been. Must be even you must sort of drive even when you're driving into training. Think this. I'm not going to be doing this too many more times yeah. in this place. No, I do think that. I think that. I, I it's made me think about what I miss when I finish playing, mm. and what I won't miss. It's actually made me think about what I won't miss as when well. you finish playing at Saint Helens. I'm just playing rugby. Yeah, you know, because it's it's a time where you think, well, this is it doesn't last forever. Like you said at the beginning, we're in a fortunate position to do yeah. something, and it's never been lost on me how lucky I am to do the job that I do. Mm. The pressure that comes with it, the expectation from your family and friends, and also they live it and ride it with you. I think that's something that I certainly won't miss: is putting, putting my family yeah. and friends through the ringer. As in, not not that they overly care, but they feel for you um, in a way that you will never feel for them. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? And it's quite emotionally selfish, yeah. a job because, will you could have a bad, maybe a bad day at work, and you might mention it to me, but I might not know. And, Whereas my sort of successes and failures are quite public. Yeah. I mean, bad example because you are in the public eye. But yeah. to my sister who goes out and works, she's the logistics manager at a haulage company. Like, I don't see if she has a bad day at work. So emotionally, she doesn't draw me into it. I'm yeah. not, a, she doesn't, I'm not obliged to feel a certain way for her. Whereas when I play badly or the team plays badly and we lose, my sister undoubtedly feels for me. Yeah. And I don't like that. I think that's, so an, that's something you won't, you won't miss. Yeah, I won't miss putting my family, upsetting my mum and dad. Yeah. But, so, but the flip to it is making them proud and happy. Well, exactly. But I will not miss upsetting people mm. who are close to me. But you, or, but, or but then, making but, people feel upset for you. Do you think you will miss that? And I know you're not an egotist in that sense, but do you think that you will miss um, the limelight to a certain degree, the, 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 the career being played out in public that everyone knows what I think I've done it doing. for that long that I'm probably at a stage where I'm, you know I don't think I will miss that now my, like I've tried really hard throughout my career not to solidly identify myself just as a rugby player and like I've always thought I've got more to do in life than just play rugby um, but I've been really privileged to play rugby for as long as I have um, and yeah like, I've got a little bit more rugby left in me but I'm I'm certainly excited about what is next for me. Oh, so after the little bit more rugby, do you think you do you think I mean do you think there's a, you could have a midlife crisis? Do you think you could buy a motorbike? Yeah, I think I've already done that. Have you? Yeah, you've I had, the, had it, you've yeah. had the crisis. Yeah. <laughs> can you only have one? Or, I no, thought it didn't hit you until sort of mid. Can you go ball twice? <laughs> can you have a midlife crisis? Midlife crisis. Can you see yourself sort of? Um, yeah. I can I, see you know buying a new leather jacket or something at forty-two mm. years of age, <laughs> getting a flat-handled triumph. <laughs> Just riding, yeah. No, I, um, um, yeah. I think I'm. Are you excited for that bit after rugby? Yeah, I think when you like do a new anything, life, when it like, what's the longest thing you've ever done in your life? Oh, what I'm doing now, I guess. Yeah, career-wise, so, yeah. But it's quite changeable. You know, you do different things all the time. Yeah. Right? Whereas I've been doing the same thing for the same club for 16 years. I've lived in this flat for 14 years. And in no way is that 14 depressing. years. No, but seriously, bloody hell. That wine that you've opened. <laughs> well, should we bloody pour it or what? Yeah, no, Should we take should. this time? You just you keep should. talking, John. I'll just. Uh, yeah, no, so I think when just... you've done something for so long, um, you know, I don't know. You you do look forward to. Are you. Are you playing the sound? Oh, 
Now, the first thing that springs to mind, John, when I poured that, is when are you next playing? Uh, we play next week. Next Wigan. week. Yeah, that's a good Wigan. We've got the weekend off. Because, we have got the weekend off. Because this has been in a bottle for 33 years. Yeah, it's two years younger than two years younger than me. It's two years younger than you. It's one year younger than me. But um, what I'm saying is, I do not take any responsibility, uh, Justin, if you're listening, for it's what's about to happen. Wine, well, no, no, I'm a big no, 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 it's not. It's not about getting drunk. It's about uh, mm. giving you food poisoning. All oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, but let's just have a. What kind of flavours are you getting from that, John? Mm, rotting flesh. <laughs> is it bad? No, it's beautiful. Is it? Mm. It's, it's it's different, isn't it? Thirty-four years old. That's years. weird, isn't it? You put something in the bottle for 34 years and drank it. Mm, it's all right, mm, isn't it? It's delicious. Mm. It's delicious. God. Brick red in colour, <laughs> which is a good you know, sign of nice age. And the so, tannins have mellowed. Well, So basically what's time. happened is, is my dad bought a lot of wine, decided to die. Didn't what do you mean he decided to die? <laughs> did, did what do you mean? <laughs> didn't get to drink. We though. never really talk about this. What do you mean decided to oh, die? Well, so the story of my, because as you can see, I'm surrounded by a lot of things from my dad. Yeah. Over there to the right. So um, we've got the racing calendar from 1900. Yeah, we've had those. Yeah, but uh, that, uh, that's the Royal Hunt Cup from uh, Royal Ascot. Uh, so there's a lot of things in here, as we, as we explained the first time we did a podcast in here. Which but then are, you've got Total Recall, Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. <laughs> that's my, just shut up. That's my twist. <laughs> that sums up my head. <laughs> what the hell? Oh, yeah, Bruce Springsteen's books uh, up there as well. Don't yeah, worry about that. Lovely. We've got a story about him, actually. Um, yeah, nah. we know. We know. Uh, but, so, yeah, you've got a lot of artifacts from your father. So so my, my dad was, would, would be very old. Bear in mind, I'm only 34. He would yeah. be 87. Okay, so the, yeah, he was, so he was in his fifties when he yeah when he died. So he went in for a checkup and um, he wasn't you know wasn't feeling too great and he was just like mm, a bit of headache got this going on. The doctor went yeah um, we Mr Perry got a bit of a problem. We've uh, found lung cancer uh, in your body and uh, he bear in mind he smoked sixty cigars a day. Who can smoke sixty cigars a day? I mean, it's physically almost impossible, isn't it, mm. to smoke 60s? You'd have to have one already lit, ready to go in straight away with no time for breathing or talking, just smoke away. Did he have just a man, a cigar just man? Just a cigar man, yeah. Mr. Perry, yeah. here you go. <laughs> so, so 60 cigars a day, I think you can probably kind of not be too surprised that you've got lung cancer, can you? Yeah, and you no. go in like, you know, oh, oh God, what a shock. How have I yeah, got yeah. that? Well, yeah. yeah. And then as he was sort of getting up and about to go, oh, well, okay, let's see what we can do to get over this. But yeah, you've also got a brain tumour. So, I don't know if you should laugh. Why are you laughing? There's not much getting. Well, away I told you about this. When you have negative things in your life, you need to deal with it no, no, and no, then no. move on. But what you don't feel, they don't feel like this laughter means you're not dealt with it. No, no, not I've dealt de- with it. Well, I've dealt with it. I just think it's you know d- double whammies come, isn't it? That is a that is a sign. Well, that is again not comparing your dad's life to St. Ellen's season, <laughs> but the lung cancer was the semi-final defeat against Catalan, mm. and then. Maybe the brain tumour was Huddersfield loss at home. <laughs> or Mark's celebration against Woodney. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so he left a whole lot of wine. But unfortunately, I don't uh, earn enough from the BBC, John, to have a cellar. So I haven't mm. been able to store it. So it's been basically stored in, what was this summer, 33 yeah, degree a greenhouse. Yeah, <laughs> a greenhouse. But I think it's come back. It's made a remarkable comeback, hasn't it? So for people who like wine, this is a, this is a huge privilege. It's a great moment. But it's a great moment. 
thank you very much for sharing not only yeah. the story of your father's demise <laughs> but also sharing this beautiful bottle of wine with me i feel very special um, and, and he was married to my mother who was mm. 30 years younger than him so this, uh, this is the layers of complexity i <laughs> i needed to know this you know when you find a piece of information out about somebody mm. and then everything makes, makes sense. sense yeah that was the bit that was missing yeah we've done mark's autism and now we've done my, my life done as well. therapy shall we do some questions yes question time 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 for question time question time question time um question time question time the first episode the first episode the first question yeah on question time um can john or mark take will along for the day uh for day in the life of a rugby player like John did with Gethin Jones who's my new Ooh, friend lives just across the way there I did yes I got a blue Pe- Gethin was the presenter for Blue Peter at the time yeah and he did a day in the life of a professional rugby player in 2005 mm-hmm. and back then when people maybe had my name on the shirt and I was cool <laughs> I was a young guy I had a mullet yeah you know at that time thought you did was, have a mullet didn't you yeah I thought it was okay mm-hmm. um, he came and spent a day with me filmed me making porridge in the morning really and then followed me to training had a day training with me yeah uh, we did some training had a massage it was all very homoerotic sort of stuff bit of tackling tackle pads and yeah stuff. a bit of yeah. tackling lot sounds of very partridge sort of doesn't contact. it so. yeah it was it was, fun. <laughs> it was ridiculous it was a bit like you know where Borat learns how to play cricket with that yeah. guy from Eton or something yes. it was a bit like that yeah. I, I, um, did, I, see, I had a day like that when I went to I used to work uh, a TV station called Channel M and we, mm. I did a behind the scenes thing with Sail Sharks mm. so this was around the time when Charlie Hodgson was there and Mark yeah. Quater was playing and Steve Hanley on the wing and um, Sebastian Chabal, Sebastian Bruno, Wigglesworth, that team, basically he's named the whole team. Yeah, good team. But um, uh, Charlie Hodgson taught me to goal kick. So Can you goal kick still? <laughs> well, I could after the lesson from Charlie Hodgson. Yeah, that's kicking good. through the bladder and all these sorts of things, you know. Yep. I got six out of six. But it's, it's somewhere on YouTube. Some, but that sound, that, that, somewhere on YouTube. That was very hard for that as well. <laughs> but good guy, Gethin Jones? Good, good, good guy. He made a massive faux pas on the radio when talking about the day spent with me. Mm-hmm. What he was trying to say is when we stripped down to have a massage, he was trying to suggest that I was much bigger build than him. Mm. But what he said was, oh, and for people who know me will know this is very far from the truth. Yeah. He said, we stripped down and let me tell you, John is built like a horse. <laughs> you know, yeah. No, but what he was trying to say was that I was a, a bigger build than him, but instead he, instead he sort of... Suggested he had a big cock. A massive cock. Yeah. Yeah. Senior cock, actually, a few times. Thank you. It's all right. Yeah, it's, um, it's probably better than mine. Well, I've but, not seen yours. No. Do you want to see it now? No. <laughs> no. Um, so uh, what's the answer to that question? Uh, well, oh, think, yeah, yeah, tackling can, practice can, and heavy weights day would be good to film. I mean, that to be fair, on the subject of talking about Guardiola and documentaries, um, I, I haven't seen Leeds, Leeds' one that they're doing, but um, that's, that's people good want more of that, don't they? They, they want to see yeah not just in dressing rooms but because what i found with the city one is just exactly it's personalities people that come to life you're suddenly hearing fabian delph and people that you don't hear a lot from um and in it, it i don't know it just kind of especially in a sport like rugby league that that couldn't be a bad thing to, to have no. more behind the scenes access but then it needs to be produced well doesn't it yeah it needs to be invested in and the reason why man city aren't bothered about the commercial return from it is there's just limitless funds there to just go well let's make this you know, Man City can 
commission something or even people will be approaching Man City to make something like that mm. um, but Will you can come and train with us we should do it before you, you leave can. St Helens you can yeah I will do Justin will be alright me and Justin are good yeah. mates now yeah, yeah. let's Great. do it um, Jackson Hastings hasn't tweeted a question to win of course lunch for four at Riggy mm. Bianca which is why we do this um, is Mark Flanagan sweet question mark and Mark Flanagan replied as sweet as a nut so obviously there's some sort of private joke going on there, isn't there? Mm. But we should tell people why Mark, why Mark's not here. They might be genuine and go, well, why, well, why is he not here? Um, he Couldn't is be bothered, could he? on holiday. Couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Some might say it's a better podcast without him. Yeah, I think it's, so far it's been in the top 26 that yeah. we've done. It's definitely <laughs> one of the best out of the 26. Um, Genghis Campbell, how many, you might not know the answer to this because you thought Mark would be here, but how many bottles of wine does Dr. Marwan Kukesh drink before he tweets? Has he been controversial again? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. We I'm don't wrong. know the answer to that one. I think it's probably a lot. He does, yeah. F- fine horses, fine wine. <laughs> Ky Robbo, um, and we talked about this as well, John. Would you re- would you record whips and flat caps live with an audience? Maybe Pocket or Black could throw in the coffee shop version of halftime chip butties. Imagine people having to ask face to face some of your questions. <laughs> That you guys answer. That It'd be would, interesting to see, actually, face to face, whether people would ask these questions. Um, but let's do it. Why don't we do? Well, we let's try before you live leave St Helens. A live night mm. somewhere. PKB. It depends. Would that work? Well, yeah, we could do, or we could. Let's do it somewhere. Go to a pub in Wakefield. Yeah, let's do it at Green Old Social Club. We should do it. We, yeah. we, we. I'm going to make a point of making that happen before the end of the series, which isn't a lot. No of time left, is there? No, really? no. Two months. We got two months. Two to months actually. to do that. Um, Ali Fourth. Now John Wilkin has left St Helens. Would he be interested in returning to Hull or playing for Hull Ionians? Crash ball centre? Question mark. Mm, I think if you replace the SH off the end of crash and put a P, um, and then maybe an, a D at the end of ball, a crash ball, a crap bold centre. <laughs> maybe that's what they'd get. Um, no. no, I've done my time in Hull. Yeah, I think and and uh, Fran Halsall, Fran Halsall, um, Wilkin. Is it Fran Halsall Wilkin? It's Fran well, Wilkin. There's a question about that, Nathan. Yeah. But um, she has stated quite publicly that she doesn't want to live in Hull. Last week on the podcast, didn't she? yeah, she, but she was in that. She's got two sides of her personality. Jean was that Jean towards Francesca the end. Francesca, probably the Jean, red wine that we were drinking. Yeah, and but Jean is needlessly controversial and sources conflict I prefer Gene I know you do and you coaxed Gene <laughs> out of Jean the out little shell chody shell chody little shell well done um, okay so he's done his time in Hull Alley 4th south of the river the antique expert and bargain hunter presenter David Dickinson once claimed to have seen two dogs having a 69 what's the worst <laughs> lie that you've ever told to impress someone <laughs> Were they, Maybe they <laughs> were I can't get two dogs having a 69 yeah. how did they, why they get and why was that a lie I missed that story when, when was that I don't know shall yeah. I google it um, no, I don't maybe think not it, I don't think <laughs> it's it a work, work computer what was the worst lie I think there's there's been lots of uh, lots of lies uh, I would say <laughs> lots, lots of lies of I just lies. need to decipher which ones are, are, are suitable to tell um, you can have fun with rugby guys because there's, there's Essentially, some of them are stupid. Mm. So there's lots of there's. I think there's lots of lies, white lies that have been have been told. Um, but I can't think of any outrageous ones off the top of my head. Not Johnny Lomax's sister being there. That is not a lie. That's not a lie. That's the truth. 
Um, all truth and nothing but the truth. Here we go. Tall Saint Guna. How important are team bonding exercises, especially if a team has a few new players or they're on a losing spell, which we've been talking about? Did you have any bonding exercises after no, that? No, well, we used to do this thing where we go away on a pre-season camp. Now other teams still do that, but we haven't done that as a club since 2009, 8, 9. Mm. So for 10 years, we haven't gone away pre-season. We, we've done like little bits, like this year we went to Landudno for two days. Landudno? Mm. You know, that's a lot of old people in Landudno. There's more mobility scooters in Landudno than any other town. So what was the catch to, for taking a rugby league team there? Uh, just to get away, <laughs> just to- on a budget, yeah. <laughs> so we we used to go to Portugal. To, we've been to Dubai, you know. We've been, uh, you know, so you got from Dubai to Landogno. Yeah, but there's a ten year sabbatical, <laughs> so it right. was like we had a break for ten years, and then. But anyway, these pre season trips, when you get new players, in are really important because mm. if you think about it, if you move over from Australia or the other side of the world, and you get to this country and your family are in tour. Mm. Initially, what's a priority for you is your family, isn't it? Yeah. Getting your family settled in. And and as a result, I think that takes away your ability to be social with your teammates. Mm. Now, when you go away on a pre-season camp just with the lads, although it's very difficult for the families who are left behind, maybe, it gives the player an opportunity to really sort of get to know the guys he's working with Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You know, where... When you don't leave your home, you've got routines and we've all got habits. Mm. And until you get people out of those habits, you don't really know anything about them. And uh, I think it's really important to go away and, and we stop doing that. So I think it, just to reference that point is it's really important to get to know your new teammates. We went to a Marines camp uh, with Kieran Cunningham and we did some of the hardest things that I've ever done. Not Not physically, but mentally. It was like mental torture, but... We all went down there and you start to learn a lot about people as the time goes on. And we, yeah. Travis Burns, who played for St. Helens at the time, yeah. he was mental. But you didn't know how mental he was until you spent a few nights with him and he w- couldn't escape and go home. Yeah. You know what I mean? He had to stay. And uh, I always remember like six o'clock every morning, he was obsessed about if you were having a shower or not. So he'd be, he'd be going around whispering to people, asking if they were having a shower. What? Yeah, what, weird. As in... He was. He couldn't have. He didn't have the confidence to get up and have a shower on his own. So he needed. He needed company in the shower. Oh, he wanted you to go in with him. Yeah, I think so. So he was recruiting people to go and have a shower with him early doors. Wow. And it's only when you actually spend time with people you realise how weird. They did, are. did people give in? Did people sort of? Uh, I think Kyle Amore gave did in. Did he? They were shower buddies. Yeah. Well, on that subject, um, Simon Frost says I saw Kyle Amore in Lily Arthur's cafe in Wigan having afternoon tea, alone. He was tucking into a Victoria sponge, looking lonely. Why do none of his lads join him? And this is something that he does regularly. I hope so. <laughs> I what hope, an image. You know, we talk about habits that you have away. I hope Kyle Amor going for afternoon tea is one of his habits. Yeah. I'm just not sure. Do you have any weird habits like that? Like, so say, for example, I, I like to, what I find quite therapeutic, mm. and I probably shouldn't admit this, but... Um, I find going to TK Maxx, uh, like really random ones, you know, like random ones just by like the side of uh, an industrial estate or something, where, where you know, no one's going to be in there. I don't want to be seen in TK Maxx. Well, no one's no going to recognise me, but I just, I don't know. I just, I just want, but I like going in there. It's kind of like a, like a sort of boot sale. A bargain like, hunt. Yeah. I like finding bargains. Yeah. 
Maybe that's his equivalent of, you know, afternoon tea. <laughs> with a Victoria's bundle over I'd his face. I'd love to see him with a three-tiered, a three-tiered cake selection. <laughs> just with just his mouth full. Covered like, in icing. Yeah. <laughs> that would be just, yeah, icing in his beard. That's what Kyle does on his days off. Oh. He, he sources the best afternoon tea money can buy. Uh, Langers, V2.018 says, mm. uh, as there were some borrowed questions on the last pod, in brackets, kettle crisps and food changes, uh, came from Richard Herring's podcast. This one excluded. What's the most common question you've asked? Common question we've been asked, or yeah. we've asked. What's this is excluded. What's the most common question you've asked, he says. Mm. The most common question I've asked is, what time is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we, by the way, we didn't, did you, I don't know if you heard, did you hear the end of the podcast last No. It's <laughs> probably for the best. Why? Because uh, it was a moment where, um, when we were answering the questions, uh, as you know, I had a few technical issues last yeah. week. And, um, but I kept looking at you like it was still recording because I didn't want yeah. to break your heart. Yeah. Uh, and Fran, so uh, basically it just kind of ends as uh, F- Fran is telling her fart story. And, uh, and I just sort of just, <laughs> kept, kept, yeah, keep going. And Mark said something. And I sort of did like a pretend wrap up, even though I knew it wasn't recorded. So then, what I had to do is when I piece the podcast together uh, back here, I had to obviously couldn't just leave it like that. So I had to record something myself and explain to the listeners why it uh, ended just like that. <laughs> I thought I'd get that off my chest. Right that's obviously you've, you've, you've been that's been sat with you, un, unhappily sat with you. That um, Ben Stubbs does Earl Crabtree have feelings? Mm. Great hair. Yeah. You got feelings in there? I, th- I think he probably does, yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> not really any way you could go with that one, is there? No, but um, he, yeah. He's yeah. a big dude, isn't he? Yeah. Do you have to be big to have feelings? Well, the bigger you are, the more feelings you got in there. Essentially, yeah. There's more mass. <laughs> there's, more, there's more atoms bigger heart. to feel things. <laughs> yeah. He has uh, more feelings, yeah. Jake Brooke, what's the <clears throat> excuse me? What's the worst thing you've ever tasted apart from the wine you're drinking right now? Oh, the worst thing I've ever tasted: Canadian ham crisps. Canadian ham crisps. Yeah, by Seabrooks. Okay. Uh, they hey. used to serve them in the pub. I think one of the pubs my dad went in, and I remember having Canadian ham crisps and being disgusted by them. God. Um, Peter Baines, for your wedding anniversary, you have two options. Yeah. To spend. 96 hours with gifted cash in Blackpool with £3,000 yeah, or can with £300. This is the only access to cash in the time period. Nice, comfortable accommodation included the cash it to pay for food, activities. Pick one. <laughs> what the fuck? This is why I love this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got so to look at three grand to, to spend in his Twitter profile. In fact, Peter Baines's Twitter uh, avatar <laughs> is um, is that not Christ King Street indeed. Townhouse in Manchester? Is that the Infinity Pool in yeah, King Street Townhouse in Manchester? So he's he's a very big guy, great shoulders, great um, great fade on the trim as well, Peter Baines. He's looking out on a wow. beautiful summer's day to the town hall. Essentially, <sighs> uh, it says Star Wars and rugby league fan, aircraft engineer by trade, proud northerner from Newton the Willows. Also Fun. on Instagram. Wow, um, what a lot of information. <laughs> Peter, we've got more questions for you than maybe you have for us. Um, so would you re- would you have three grand to spend in a shithole or would you rather have 300 in can? 300 can yeah. in, a, in, in, a pl- in a nice place. What would you do with the 300 quid as well in can? Because I, mean, I assume you'd take can, mm. no? Yeah, you would. You'd, you'd put it on a 
red or black on a casino wheel and if it came in you'd have a better time and if it lost you'd fly home (laughs) there you go um nicholas fletcher john seems to be a bit of a philosopher in brackets sure he will deny this Mm. do do you deny that by the way what do you mean a philosopher is in i think deeply about stuff yeah well you do don't you so you're not denying it you're a philosopher i'm not a philosopher but that's a real big stretch from where i am but yeah i like to think and talk about things yeah um what is second question Mm. what it's not that wasn't a statement the first statement what's his take on the meaning of life uh the meaning of life is we are structured into order human beings are obsessed with organization and order but the the universe's natural state is chaos so we are obsessing about organizing and, and, and making things more simplified and structured and organized, and that's the human way. But eventually we'll all descend into chaos again. So the universe started as chaos, like as in there's no structure, and then eventually we've, in our own little way, made everything more organized. Essentially we are just organized atoms, mm. you know, turned into tissues and turned into a human. And then eventually that organization will crumble and we will just disintegrate into atoms again the life of a human being is the organizer it's from chaos right from chaos from nothing we then a human is created and when that human dies you are then disintegrated back into chaos and that cycle is what i think the universe is all around are we going to get out in time but is that in our generation or is no it- i just think I, don't, I just think that's the cycle of everything from order to chaos and back. But what I'm saying is we, as in like, you know, us right here now, are we going to get out yeah, we'll without die. the chaos before we'll, the chaos we'll die. comes back? Yeah, we'll die, yeah. No, we're going to die, but we're not going to die in a, in a no. pit of chaos. Well, I listened to Stephen Hawking's A Brief History of Time, and he was saying time hold is... Hold on, tra- hold on. You told me you were reading, so you're listening to an audio book. It was an audio book, yes. I listened to it on the way to training. Okay. And he was saying time is from point A to point B, and we've created this concept of time. It doesn't exist in the world. And, you know, it just it's our concept. You know, we've created it and made it specific to us, and it's relative to us. But he was saying the universe is expanding and time is traveling from point A to point B. But at some point, the universe inevitably will start to contract again. This is his opinion. And then time will travel to point, from point B to point A. And then I was thinking, like, what happens then? Do we just watch everything happen in reverse? Mm-hmm. Does time immediately flip back on itself? Do you know, I, used to, I used to think about these things a lot, a lot, mm. when, when I was... 17, 18, 19, yeah. 20. And you should look up at the stars a lot and stop doing that. No, nah, I that think about? it's important. No, it is. But why, yeah. why, would, why, did, why would I have stopped doing it? You know, that used to be know. really important scared. to You're scared. Or people, does, people life need, takes over, doesn't it? People life need hope in life, don't you? So I think like religion, and, and I'm a big believer in what religion can offer, but I also think it's just a means of providing hope to people. Mm. Because what's the alternative? Is that you live and you die and that's it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But I just think that's it. We, we, we humans, we need to know. And like, I, I just find it fascinating. And like, what, what, what it's, what it's all about. But essentially, I worry that what it's all about is not very much. My favorite Stephen Hawking quote was: "Remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet." Yeah, 
It's true, isn't it? That is true. I'm looking down at my feet. I've been looking at my feet for the last well, 20 years. Get looking up at them you can't see stars. the stars in Manchester now, can you? You can. Come out to where I live, near Jodrell Bank. Well, it takes about three hours Do you to know get one down. thing, the best lie I ever told, I told Fran, my wife, that Jodrell Bank, the big satellite mm. that looks into the space, I said, instead of having satellite dishes in Cheshire, that was the one satellite dish that supplied all of the houses in Cheshire, <laughs> which she believed. Does she still very much? No, she cottoned on quite soon afterwards. But for a moment there, she thought Jodrell Bank was just a universal satellite for every home in Cheshire. I think we should. Well, I think one night we should go and look at the stars, John, somewhere. Yeah, shouldn't we? Do you not? Do, do you not find? I, I kind of get. I, do you not feel alive when you look at the stars? Yeah, I love. I love it. It makes you feel insignificant, Doesn't which it? is not a, not yeah. a bad thing. I get that in work every day. Um, Nick oh by the way uh, on the end of Nicholas's messages there uh, uh, question there he said if Mark's not bored by this point of the podcast more than happy to hear his uh, revelations on the subject Will feel free to sit this one out Mm. fuck you Fletcher (laughs) Um, Nicky Leach says Nicky says uh, after seeing Flash's try the hair looks to have grown back mm. is this due to a miracle cure we've we've been over that one mm. haven't we but uh, can you go ball twice good, uh, can you that go would have been twice? a better question yeah. she would have won she would yeah, have won, she won. Yeah. but um it's good to know that other people have noticed it not just us good no mention of the celebration though um woodpeck says has john changed his surname yet mm. <laughs> How dare you? oh that was a good subject last week no wasn't it wasn't it? no it wasn't because i knew exactly what was going to come out of her mouth what was that? I well, actually, she realistically, said she said she's if, never going to change it. If she doesn't, it's not a big deal for me. Mm. What bothered. if you have children? What were, you know? You have, they'd have to be Wilkins, wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, we'd just call them things. <laughs> just, just first things. names. Just first yeah. names. Like Seal. Yeah. <laughs> just the one name. Ronaldo, the fat yeah. one. Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> fat Ronaldo. Um, um, but you haven't changed it yet. I'm Would not you, planning on changing it. You wouldn't change it to Hulsel? No, because my dad's obviously um, the one son he has. Um, yeah. <laughs> What would, what would Big Phil say if he changed it? I don't know, he'd probably just hammer punch me into the ground. <laughs> and, yeah, then rotivate me into the turf. To the pig shit. And, yeah. <laughs> and then just, yeah, pass me through the dryer. Um, Les Quirk says, what subject does the adult you wish you'd been taught at school? As an adult? So as an adult, what subject do you wish had been taught at school? I oh, wish. So what, yeah, what subject does the adult you wish you'd been taught at school? Yeah, I wish I'd have been taught. And I've got an opinion on this. I think public schools do a much better job of teaching young people social confidence and emotional intelligence. I don't think the state school system gets that right. I think the state school system teaches you how to pass exams. But if I could go back to states, the school that I went to, South Illness Technology College, I would teach young John that in life, people deal with people. The end. So it doesn't matter what qualifications you've got, but if you can interact with people and you understand people, you'll get on. Mm. And that's not what they tell you, is it? They tell you if you get all these qualifications and having a business actually taught me that people apply with qualifications, but if they haven't got emotional intelligence and they can't empathise with people and they aren't able to adapt the behaviour to suit a situation, Mm. they're useless. Mm. So you can have the smartest bloke in the world or woman in the world. If they can't adapt their behaviour and style to suit a situation, for me, they have to be an individual 
and they'll never be a part of something bigger. So you think you think public schools teach people to be yeah. socially I think the school, chameleons? Basically. The school you went to taught you to walk into a room confidently, introduce yourself, and also then be able to be interested and inquisitive about other people. The school system I went into, it did not teach me that. It taught me how to pass exams, mm. and I think that's the difference. Mm. So when people pay for the kids to go through that situation... They've usually firstly done all right themselves. So it's a good example to set into the children in terms of how successful they've been. When you put your child through that system, I think it gives them a... And this is obviously, I'm talking in huge generalizations, there's exceptions yeah. either way, but they give people confidence to interact. And if that is a long-winded way of answering that question, I'm happy with it. Yeah. There's a lot of bitterness about schools aren't there yeah but I think that's snobbery it exists both ways doesn't it yeah. so snobbery and like rugby league and rugby union snobbery is in equal measure you know both sides snipe at each other whereas like there's, they're just different mm. they are just it is what it is but I think what you're paying for when you go to a public school is a network of people and also confidence socially mm. and that's what they get and that's why Rugby Union is so good commercially and sponsorship and all that. Players get it, yeah. don't they? They just get it more. They're in the boxes. Those The England players are walking around doing the boxes after the game, two and a half yeah. grand a pop. You know what I mean? It's just, they get it. Well, some rugby league guys do, don't they? Been yeah, to... they do, yeah, but not as many, yeah. I would say. Well, and that's, that's a classic example of Mark being very aggressive towards me because I went to a good school, even though I didn't have any choice in the matter. Mm. But so, so say for example, and, that, and the kind of school I went to, we're not all right. We've joked about it on here, but the, can you imagine the kind of school I actually went to? This is a school where you had to wear a straw hat, which was about two inches deep, and sort of balance it on your head. And every teacher you walked past, you had to what called it was called capping. You had to sort of just tap one finger on it. For the headmaster, you had to lift it off. On Sundays, you had to wear a mourning dress to mm. mourn Queen Victoria, who died however many years before. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is the kind they're of thing. Dis they're disciplines, aren't they? Yeah, they're just giving you discipline. That no, exactly, it was discipline. But then, uh, essentially, um, the the mixture of people, and we talk about like Manchester City's dressing room. That was the equivalent of Harrow School where I went. Yeah. The, the 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 dressing room was so white. We, I had the I had the Prince of Jordan sitting next to me at lunch over there. We had you know the sort of, but in a way it was a good thing. You you kind of you 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 are um, and at the time that was just my norm. You yeah. didn't really you know I wasn't well, I wasn't aware of other schools and what what real life was like outside of that. But look at me, I'm mixing with the likes of you, fucking idiots. Exactly. Now. Yeah. So what it's given you is the scale of be able to interact in different environments. Mm. Well, I don't think that's what. I think state school doesn't give you that. Okay. It doesn't give you the ability to, to, with exceptions, work up. I think it's 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 tough to transition upwards. It's easier to to, to pull down, isn't it, to transition down from being where you are. Mm. Good question, Les Quirk. Could be potential winner. Yeah. In fact, Wilkin went off on one there. Um, blah, 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 bum, 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 bum. Lincoln Rob said, uh, did Mark score and Salford win at the weekend or was that just a dream? It that happened. Was, that did happen, yeah. Um, Willis, who's got a picture of Noel Gallagher and Willis together. That's more than Mark Flanagan got, isn't it? In, no. in the Barton Arcade. He will never come back to the coffee shop ever again. God, that was embarrassing, wasn't it? Um... And Willis says, shed cams often show coaches giving animated talks at halftime, gesticulating and finger pointing. 
what kind of stuff is usually said and and uh, are individuals ever singled are individuals ever singled out for criticism or praise does any of it really sink in or make a difference mm. yes yeah it does daniel anderson was was good it, he knew how to push certain buttons to motivate certain players and um for example one of the examples was mori fasavalu big samoan guy who played for us if if he wasn't playing well Daniel would call him by his son's name at half time <laughs> which is just what? a really so he wouldn't just go around the dressing room and, and, and but when he got to reference Mori Fasavalu he'd call him Malama which was his son yeah nothing else not be negative about him yeah but he was suggesting that his son would do a better, better job. performance <laughs> Did it work? What, yeah, what used to happen is Maury used to come out with his big skull crushing hands and just destroy people. It was class. <laughs> the code word. Yeah. Malama. Malama. Um, Peter Elder says, what would you rather... Oh, these questions are always dangerous, mm. aren't they? Dot, dot. Do the Baby Shark song challenge all the way to work or sign for witness? Hashtag question time, question time, question time, what's question the, time, question time. I don't know what the Baby Shark song challenge is. So I'm going to say... Sign for witness, <laughs> just in case, because I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, Peter. I don't know what the Baby Shark song challenge is. I'll find out though. We'll uh, if it's, out. Is it like the something Dali Ali does? You know, he's got a new know. one now, hasn't he? Dali Ali's got a new. Don't thing, Mark yeah. will probably do. That These are all from um, apparently. I thought they were from this game Fortnite that yeah. were, all, all kids mm. are playing, but it's from um, Jesse Lingard's brother, right? Mm. Jesse Lingard, United yeah, England. Yeah. yeah. His brother's a, da- a professional dancer, and he's come up with all these fucking stupid moves, and that's what they're all all doing. They're all copyright to Jesse Lingard's brother. It's weird, isn't it? Who would have thought? Um, Can you imagine that? Just if they did the equivalent in rugby league, it'd be just knocking a wall up because my brother's a builder. <laughs> just on the side of the pitch, plumbing. Just plumbing, a, plumbing some bricks. Chris in. Hill pulling those pubes out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, DC says, in light of Will Perry being likened to Rylan reading the sport. Um, which happened this week a lot of people thought it was Ryland when I was on BBC Breakfast mm. it's funny isn't it ha 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 have either of you been told that you look like someone or mistaken for someone wait Mark can't answer that um, Tom Hardy have you mm. see Mark doesn't like that does he but I think I think there is a bit of Hardy no, there in it, that, if it, someone's told you that before y- yeah yeah nothing there is a bit I'm, I'm not I think there is yeah, a bit yeah, of Hardy yeah, yeah. in there but like a really shit one Shit hardy. So, yeah, that's what Fran calls me Dom Shardy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Jean. I love her. Yeah. Um, Dan Hilton, if you could meet any celebrity, dead or alive, what would it? who would it be? When, when he says dead, do you think that that's dead? I don't know. Does now? he mean that we can meet somebody and then watch them perish? <laughs> dead or alive? What about to, in between? What about meet, if you could meet somebody who's just on the edge of death? You get to meet Elvis, but he's as, <laughs> as he is now. Just, no, no, as he is now. Just like yeah, the bones. Just a corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Elvis Elvis Aretha sing call me <laughs> too soon too soon oh I love Aretha Franklin too soon do you love who, would, who would you know yeah I'd like to I think I would like to meet somebody really sinister from history Jesse James yeah no I was thinking like like a Genghis Khan I know we've brought him up once but somebody that like Genghis Khan who was like such a horrendous Hitler? Yes. Just to meet them. Just to try and understand Just to them. understand the evil behind them. Or if there was evil. Or if there wasn't. Or if the, you know, what he was saying made sense. Saddam Hussein? Um, yeah, just any... I don't know who it is. It could be any... Bin I Laden. think a serious 
Mussolini, a serious figure from history who mm. was evil. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be dark, but it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Rather than saying somebody like, oh, I don't want to sit with Beyonce. Yeah. Mm. Like, I mean, contribution to the world, great, very good singer, lovely, yeah. you know, all the things she's done, fantastic. But, so you'd rather go down the dark route rather than no, Gandhi, oh, for example? Yeah, but I think I pretty much know what Gandhi thinks. Right. Yeah. You, you want to try and understand why Peace they were so love. evil. So it's, well, so why when when everything is about like sort of bringing people together and mm. Gandhi was about love and peace and respect and spirituality, mm. then who are the people in life who just go against that mm. and why? Mm. Why did they? But no one springs to mind. You know, you can't think of someone so evil. Do you want you... me just to think of one some, particular? Yeah, that you, I'm going to say because I've just been to Sicily yeah. and I've got an Italian sort of theme. I'm going to say Mussolini. Okay, brilliant. I stayed in a hotel in Tuscany where Mussolini and Hitler used to have their talks together. Mm. It looks down on to, onto Florence. I was there for a wedding. Lovely. And the route that was. Did they the, have a plaque outside? Well, that was the exact room where they used to meet apparently and discuss mm. in this re, you know, retreat in the middle of the Tuscany. Do you know one thing I was in? Zone. I was in Sicily the weekend, and they were talking about a thousand BC. You know their history. Mm. So these temples were built in a thousand BC, and that like, blew my mind. Mm. Three thousand years. 3,000 years ago, shit was going on. That's insane. This guy, this Greek philosopher called Archimedes, built weapons to fight off the Roman ships who were like in the harbour ready to attack. And he called it the claw. And it just fell, the over, the si- it fell <laughs> over the side of the wall, the seawall, and just dropped a massive stone through the ship, which sunk it. And he beat, they beat the Romans, they fought them off. Jesus. And I was like, wow, genius anyway. We've got it easy, haven't we, really? We have, yeah. Compared to that. Um, a few more to go. Here we go... Oh, these are very quite similar themes. James, while John had 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 dot 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 is his name. Do we attract the weirdest people in the world? I think just within rugby league. I think you just create weird profiles and ask questions. James says, if you could come back from the dead and haunt someone, who would you haunt, and how would you do it? If I could come back from the dead and haunt anybody, we just haunt Fran, wouldn't you, and just do some weird things? Yeah, or. Mark. Yes. Mark. And yeah. I think I'd like to do that. Shave his head in the middle of the night. No, no, no. So not, he not, he not do anything. For a third time. Not do anything. Just really torture him. <laughs> Just sort of make it. ghoulish. You did this to me. You like know Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Like Patrick Exactly. <laughs> Just then we'd end up modelling clear pot together <laughs> you, in the nude. <laughs> but you, you didn't listen to any of last week's episode because it actually started with the music from I Ghost, know. Unchained Melody. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was also the imagery of you straddling Eamon McManus on the pottery wheel. Lovely, <laughs> which is a lovely thought. Um, mm. Greg Bird underscore Legion GBL. <laughs> wow, it's like what all those people that paint those war figures, those little figures. <laughs> Warcraft, no oh, wor- worship. What are they called? Warcraft Game, isn't it? Games Workshop. Oh, Games Workshop. <laughs> Who goes in that shop? It's one in the oh, Arndale. Wow. Isn't Jesus, it's one Christ. in the Arndale. Um, Who goes in that shop? <laughs> Get definitely money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> who goes in games it's workshop full. it's full every time full of walk, who every time I walk full past of little it. models <laughs> immaculately painted people love it they buy t-shirts and all sorts they play they have secret games in there they have lock-ins <laughs> honestly um, Matt uh, Matty K says is it true Lee Jewett knocked out LMS in one of the boxing tournaments and if yes. so does he still get stick for it for the other players yes and yes 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 he does can you talk us through that moment were no we weren't there we just no. heard about it 
in a boxing tournament. No, it's like a charity boxing like match. Like a white you know, three, yeah, 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 three of three rounds. He knocked McCarthy Scarsborough out. Yeah, he just caught him with a, a beauty. Did Sat he? down, yeah. Very Goodness good. gracious. Uh, last question for episode 28. Uh, <laughs> any truth in the rumours that Flash is going to the Rhinos? We can't, we can't mm-hmm. answer that one because he's not here. I didn't realise yeah. that was a rumour on the rumour mill, was it? Is I that? did. Did you? <laughs> did he start it? I think so. Um, yes, that's completely true, Craig. No, I'm joking. I have no idea. No, uh, don't. don't care. Does anyone don't. care? Anyway, uh, what is going in the bin this week, John Wilkins? Our apathy towards the Challenge Cup final being a success as a sport. The disintegration, potentially, of the appetite for the Challenge Cup. I've got a real problem with... The cup competitions, historic cup competitions in the sport, I think we need to be protective of them and really focus effort on making them great. Mm. And I feel like British sports letting that that letting it down. The FA Cup's sort of obscure now. The Challenge Cup, I don't want it to become that way. Mm. So I think we need to fight for it. Because you think it's going away. Well, I just think we can. Like we need to keep pushing it to be better and be great and make it where it's like a sellout and, and that there's a great band on and that it looks amazing and that people mm. want to go and that it's a weekend where you have to be in London to watch rugby league. And I just think we need to get back to that. Let's get back to that. Okay, that's going in the bin. Uh, before we go, let's give you a little top up here, John. Oh, sorry. How was that wine, by the way? It's very it nice. Right? Very nice. It's a bit brown, isn't it? But uh, Well, that's it's a nice colour. Oh. Lovely. Let's fill me up as well. Lovely. <laughs> oh. If they only knew that you just pour in sparkling water into a glass. Oh. There is no. But wine. let's get back to our date. It's been lovely. Uh, yeah, John's spending some great. time, some quality time together, hasn't it? Without it Mark being cynical it's... and chipping in with his little bald comments. Well, he'd usually got bored by now and, and start wagging his finger to... He, do, he, he, does, he does this sort of sign where you... Finish it, finish it, finish it. It's boring of, now, you, it's boring me. You do a sort of wheel motion with your hands like this and he's sort of wheeling around like he thinks boring. he's some sort of director, like cut, cut, cut. Yeah. Well, you're the one we want to cut out and we did manage to cut him out this week. And You're the wanker, mate. Yeah, do we want him back next week? Probably not. No. See ya. <laughs>